Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by the Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And this week, Jamie, we're going to actually talk about some of our recent travels. And let's be honest, for a while there, we didn't really have all that much to talk about. I know we discussed away from the show, you know, usually summer is a time where we both have a lot going on, a lot on the calendar. And this year has obviously been pretty different. Jim, I had it like all planned out. As I'm sure you know, we talked earlier in the year about 2020 summer plans and I talked about my big calendar and I was had these plans to go to Olympic and I was going to go to Banff this year and Santa Fe and Death Valley and all of these things and places around Oregon and Washington. And I mean, obviously, that is all pretty much just vanished. So the question that I've been asking myself and I'm sure that you've been asking yourself is like, well, how do you even take a vacation in 2020? How do you how do you spend your time off? Because we need to take time off from work, especially in the industry that we're in, Jim, where we've been covering protests and COVID um, and just working like crazy. We need that time off. But how do we do that safely and responsibly in our society right now? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question. I have spent almost none or none. I can't recall exactly, but I've spent very little PTO this year, if any. And it's kind of high time to start using it. You know, we don't get to carry over like all our days into 2021. And even if we did, that's not the healthy way to do things. Like you said, we've been slamming busy here at work. And to be honest, this podcast is a nice respite from, you know, the daily grind of covering news that's really important right now. Uh, but it's it's been a marathon since like March. And I don't know, I'm I'm ready to get back out on another little vacation and also talk about one that uh, I took while I was away from work. Uh, geez, now it would have been back in back in July, Jamie. Yeah, Jim, I know that we each have taken uh, a little bit of vacation time here this summer, sort of our little miniature summer vacations. So we're going to be spending the next couple episodes talking about our approaches to those vacations and what we did while we were out there. So, Jim, I have heard a little bit about some of this trip you did, and I've seen some pictures on social media, and I'm super excited to hear more about it. So why don't we start off with you this week and tell us what this crazy mountain climbing vacation adventure you had was. Yeah. So actually, we haven't really talked about this. This is fun. This is uh, the the real-time trip report, if you will, um, of kind of what I schemed up back in July, uh, had some time away from work and a whole work week. So I had two weekends on either end, of course, and then five days through the week. And I decided to just you know, do normal stuff on the weekends, but go set off solo uh, throughout the middle of the week and make a little bit of progress on a longstanding goal that I've had, Jamie. And I, I don't know if I've talked about this on, on the show before or not, but the goal that I've just kind of had loosely for, for quite some time is to climb uh, all of the major peaks in the Oregon Cascades and then 
ultimately extend that into California and Washington and climb the Cascades, climb the big ones. And I have slowly moved through that list over the years, some summers uh, and springs, I guess, being more uh, filled with climbing than others. But I had going into uh, this week away from work, I had let's see, four Oregon mountains remaining on that list. I had uh, Mount Bachelor, uh, Mount Bailey, Mount McLaughlin, and the mighty Mount Jefferson. And three of those mountains are non-technical, uh, essentially strenuous uphill long hikes. And I'm like, you know what? I can do these by myself. I feel okay on this kind of terrain. I'm going to try to set up a trip to climb three of these peaks back to back to back and uh, leaving Mount Jefferson for a different day. That is much more than I would like to bite off on my own. And Jamie, I set off on a Tuesday, I believe, and kind of made uh, a beeline for Mount Bailey, which, Jamie, you're familiar with this area, right? Down near uh, Diamond Lake, and uh, Mount Thielsen Crater Lake area. Yeah, it's like kind of that great sort of southern Cascades area there, um, kind of near Cascades Siskiyou Crater Lake area. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. And Jim, I wanted to clarify here before you get too deep into this. When you say you wanted to do these three mountains back to back to back, are you talking about like three mountains, three days, or are you taking breaks in between climbing these mountains? We're talking three mountains, three days. And and I suppose you could do Oof. it harder core than that if you wanted to and legitimately do them like without going to bed or something. Uh, that did not even cross my mind as an option. <laughs> that, seems, uh, that seems unnecessary. Unnecessary, especially because they're kind of they're they're roughly in the same area, but there, there's a good bit of driving uh, in this trip as well. So I kind of mapped out a big road trip that would take me. Uh, down to Mount Bailey, further to Mount McLaughlin, back up to Mount Bachelor, and then back to home for me here in Portland. And along the way, I stopped. I decided that I needed to change up my footwear a little bit because I've been wearing uh, a little bit like heavier duty. They're called like approach shoes for mountaineering or rock climbing or something like that that have a really nice sticky sole. They're a little bit heavy. You wouldn't really want to run in them. You could, I guess, but uh, not ideal for that. And stopped in Eugene and bought myself a pair of trail running shoes. So I got like all official, right? Uh, I'm I'm set up for this trip and went in with the strategy of I'm going to hike the uphill portions and try to run as much of the flat and downhill portions as I can. I'm by myself. I figure might as well try to do this on the quicker side, uh, move at my own pace and have a good time with it. So I rolled into Mount Bailey um, down there by Crater Lake. Geez, probably in the early evening of a, a Tuesday in July. And I had a grand total of one other car in the parking lot, which Jamie, I know that is Always a good feeling. <laughs> nice. We're we're seeking that uh, as much yeah. as possible. So especially this summer, oh, yeah. things have been so crowded. Yeah, it's been busy out there, and I know I was really excited because number one, it's a Tuesday, so not that many people are probably out and about. I think I saw one party plus another person. Anyway, there was next to no one on the trail, 
um, absolutely cruised up. And Mount Bailey, for the uninitiated, it's not one of the like extremely attractive Cascades peaks. It's not uh, like its neighbor Mount Fielsen, kind of this towering spire, the lightning rod of the Cascades, or not as grand as a uh, South Sister or Mount Hood or something like that. It's a medium length, strenuous uphill hike, topping out uh, about 8,300 feet uh, above sea level. And the distance from the lower trailhead where I parked um, is very roughly, uh, according to a website called Summit Post uh, that I use, it's about 9.8 miles and 3,130 feet of elevation gain. So you're going up quite a bit, but nothing you can't handle for a, a hefty day hike. And I kind of started from this trailhead. It was a little bit of a warm day, if I remember correctly, a little dusty, and started up uh, kind of through the forest, uh, winding my way up to the area above treeline, essentially. And timberline here on Mount Bailey, according to that Summit Post website, again, is about like a mile from the summit. And the half mile leading up to the highest point there is pretty steep and rocky, Maybe not the best choice for little kids or something like that, but I made it up there and had it all to myself. And Jamie, I know you've had this feeling before where you're just up there and get to enjoy it just for you. And that's pretty cool. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful experience. And I imagine that the view from Mount Bailey, especially being right there near Crater Lake, has got to be pretty good, right? Yeah, it's really nice, uh, especially you get this look across Diamond Lake over to Mount Fielsen, which we've talked about before on the show here, just this improbable, really steep looking skinny spire top to it and is quite beautiful, a mountain that I really enjoy. I've climbed up there uh, a couple of times and you actually cannot see the waters of Crater Lake from Mount Bailey, which is somewhat surprising given how high up you are. I guess 8,300 feet isn't that high roughly, but Anyhow, the real excitement of Mount Bailey was on the way down, Jamie. I uh, I think I spooked a bear. <laughs> oh, nice. So I assume a black bear yes, you're talking about. Yes. So yeah. I was kind of running down, uh, jogging, not super fast or anything, but I'm I'm moving down and I haven't seen anyone in ages. I haven't really I've been kind of checked out as you are when you're by yourself. And uh, I just kind of see this low, smallish, scuttling creature uh, bounding away from me, well in the distance, not not anywhere close to me. And I'm thinking to myself, is that a bear? I haven't seen a bear in <laughs> Oregon either in a long time or ever. And it kind of spooked me because I was out there alone. You know, it's not like the bear followed me or anything, but I definitely did a little bit of the talking to yourself, kind of counting down some numbers on the way back to the car mm-hmm. and made it there just you got to make noise, too, with the bears. Exactly. So I'm, I'm just know, like, it, I'm going to count down a little bit. I'm going to just uh, speak to the hypothetical bear that's somewhere out in the woods there. Do what I can, I guess, to make my presence known. Yeah, black bears are are pretty skittish in general. I mean, I know there's a lot of fear around bears in general, um, and some of it rightfully so. But I mean, when you run into a bear like that in that situation, at least in my experience and from the experiences I've heard about, black bears almost always will just turn tail and run the other way. Yeah, this one didn't seem 
assuming my vision was correct and it was a bear, which I really do think it was, it didn't want anything to do with me. It scuttled off, but just enough to spook me a little bit. I made it back to the car. No problems. Mountain number one down. Beautiful evening slash afternoon, whatever it actually was. And uh, went down and found myself a little day use area on Diamond Lake and went for a good post-climb plunge in the lake. It felt so nice. Cooked up a little food for dinner and then uh, went and retired for the night, just sleeping in my car elsewhere. Felt really good. It sounds so nice, Jim. I think especially on a hot day like that after doing a big climb, ooh, taking a dip in the lake just yeah. sounds perfect. Yeah, it was really good. And and I'll say part of the strategy too on this, right? We, we talked at the, the beginning of the show about, you know, how we're traveling right now and the way we're pulling off trips and things that we want to do in a way that we're somewhat comfortable with. And I guess I got pretty excited and just launched into the story. But this trip was intentionally solo, number one, because I don't know that I could have wrangled someone to take off uh, the middle of the week with me. Number two, because I felt confident doing each of these peaks on my own. And three and four being it's fun to go out every once in a while by yourself and do something. And it is just naturally uh, a situation where you don't have to interact with anybody. Mm -hmm. Really. I mean, I stopped for gas a couple times. I may have stopped and got some food, but I mostly packed what I needed. Obviously had to gas up because I'm covering a lot of distance. But uh, and of course, ran into a number of folks on the trails. But really, by and large, this trip went without really many more interactions than you would get going to the grocery store in terms of passing people. And that's kind of been a little bit of my metric. Like it's the Fred Meyer metric. If you go do a thing and there are more people than you would encounter at the grocery store, maybe you should be thinking twice about what that thing is. It's kind of a personal rule of thumb for me. That's a great metric, Jim. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And so you you, you hiked up Mount Bailey mm -hmm. or I guess you climbed it really. I mean, you climbed a mountain. Uh, so can I assume that the next peak you're going after was the one just to the south there, Mount McLaughlin? Yeah, that's me. So Mount McLaughlin is kind of the crown jewel of this trio of peaks, right? Um, it's the highest one at 9,500 feet, and it towers above the Medford area, kind of in the same way that Mount Hood towers over the Portland metro. So I'd imagine that the folks from Medford, if they're talking about the mountain, they're probably talking about Mount McLaughlin. Guess I sh I should have asked Andrew Thien, uh, colleague of ours, host of the Beat Check <laughs> podcast who grew up in the area. Andrew, if you're listening, let me know. Anyhow, this trail is it's about a five-mile-long trail to the summit, one way, involving an elevation gain of about 4,000 feet. So it's a heftier climb than Mount Bailey to a higher point, and it winds its way through terrain that at, at times is pretty rocky. Um, at times, it can be difficult to follow or to see at all. It takes on a little bit more of a scrambly aspect. So using your hands and your feet closer to the top. And notably, the Forest Service warns that each year, a number of people kind of get disoriented or lost coming down the mountain due to coming down a different way than they used when they went up. And I took that into account, kind of read that before starting out 
I think they had it at some trail signs down there. And I'm like, okay, I'm by myself. I'm going to make a very concerted effort to go up and go down roughly the same way. And it's a fairly intuitive deal in the sense that you emerge above tree line. You kind of skirt this ridge and keep going and going and going up to the summit. And uh, the summit is kind of this spectacular jumble of blocky rock towering way above everything else in the area. It's a fairly strenuous hike to get up there, but did see more people on this hike than I saw, I I would think, on either of the others. Topped out, just had this gorgeous day, Um, actually had kind of a fun little moment at the top flipping through you ever been to a spot jamie where they have like a summit register Uh uh-huh yeah those are super fun you can see everyone who's kind of climbed it and logged in on a little notebook yeah yeah so like they keep a canister up there to contain a notebook and i actually uh, in a fun moment i i posted uh, an instagram story to our peak northwest account kind of detailing this trip and i had a I think it was a video of me flipping through the summit register just real quick. And one of the someone who apparently was in that summit register saw that and messaged me back and kind of pointed out, hey, that's me, uh, which is pretty cool. I thought uh, kind of a oh my God, I oddball, love that. you know, uh, one in a million chance, if you will. But then again, the outdoor community around here is pretty, you know. Six degrees of separation, if you will. So I guess it's not that surprising, but cool nonetheless. I think it's pretty cool, though. And it kind of just shows you the, the community of people who do these kinds of adventures um, and how tight knit that is, as you say. And I, Mount McLaughlin, to your point, Jeff, I've never climbed up there myself, but I've camped near it. And it's just such a pretty looking mountain. I, you know, it. I think it maybe gets a little bit lost in the shuffle of Cascade Peaks because, you know, you've got... Hood and Jefferson and St. Helens and Rainier and Shasta. Mount McLaughlin is just a really gorgeous mountain down mm-hmm. there in Southern Oregon. It's gorgeous. And it's, I mean, at about 9,500 feet, it's a big mountain and there's nothing even close to that mm-hmm. tall in that, you know, immediate area. And I really enjoyed getting up there and just seeing a perspective of that landscape that I had never experienced before. I'll say it's kind of far from home for me you know, several hours of driving. And so one of the reasons why I hadn't been there yet is logistical and not necessarily wanting to drive that several hours for this climb alone, but looping it in with two others, Jamie, worked really well for me. And and I'll say I saw more people on this trail in part because of the time of day that I set off. I set off, I think, in the late morning. You know, that would be an obvious time for others to be going up or coming down or whatever it may be. I didn't feel, though, during this trip, a whole lot of, if any, COVID anxiety. I felt like people were very conscientious, generally, you know, turning away or whatnot on the trail. I, it's been it's been a bit, so I don't remember exactly whether folks were rocking kind of the buff that they could pull up or the, the neckerchief, as we've talked about here on the show. Um, but I felt pretty good about it. I, I generally, I don't know about you, but I have felt pretty good about COVID exposure while being out in nature like that on the trail. What's your experience, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anything that indicates there's any spread of COVID in any outdoor spaces right now. In my experience in hiking trails, you know, it's somewhere, I think I'd say between like 60 and 70% of people 
are wearing masks of some kind while passing each other. And I think that's really good because, I mean, as recently as like May, I'd say it was closer to 10 to 20 percent. So people seem to be getting the message that wearing masks as they pass one another is um, an effective public health tool and are using it out there, which is really, really heartening. So, Jim, you've talked to us about your hike up Mount Bailey and your hike up Mount McLaughlin. And I'm super excited to hear more about your hike up Mount Bachelor. First, we're going to take a quick break. Okay, folks, we are back talking to Jim about his recent three mountain, three day extravaganza adventure. (laughs) Uh, A lot of fun words to describe this experience. Uh, Jim, you've already told us about the first two mountains that you hiked up, Mount Bailey and McLaughlin. And now it's time to to get into Mount Bachelor. So, Jim, I know this is mostly as like a skiing destination, but what is the experience like climbing up to the top of Mount Bachelor? So I'll admit on on the list of Oregon Cascades peaks. I was not excited about Mount Bachelor. And the reason I'm, I, huh. I wasn't excited about Mount Bachelor because I've ridden a chairlift essentially to the top of Mount Bachelor, right? So it <laughs> seems a little silly to want to climb something that you can just take a chairlift to the top of. But of course, uh, when I was up there, the chairlift all the way up, uh, they're what they call their summit chair, which takes you to very close to the summit was not in operation and you couldn't have taken it all the way up there if you wanted to. But I was just like, I don't know. I'm not that excited about climbing Mount Bachelor. I'll do it sometime, whatever. And this was the sleeper big winner of the trip, actually. It starts out, the hike that you're supposed to take starts kind of from the main Mount Bachelor parking lot area. So they call that their West Village. If you want, you can ride a chairlift partway up. I chose to forego the chairlift. I'm a cheapskate sometimes, Jamie. And uh, what else am I going to do? I've got the time and I might as well just hike the whole thing myself. So I kind of wound my way a little traverse through part of the ski area on some really nice uh, trails that were marked with big yellow discs on them kind of indicating this is the way there are some other trail looking things here don't go that way go this way um, which was a nice help and wound my way basically up uh, up the mountain kind of parallel ish to the summit chair and climbed up right next to it and wound around to the summit and Mount Bachelor is just in such a spectacular position. It is so gorgeous. You've got stretching out in front of you. Of course, you have the sisters, uh, three sisters mountains. Not positive you can see all of them from there because of the way they kind of are positioned. But you've got the three sisters. You've got Broken Top. uh, You've got some lakes that are really beautiful down below. And of course, looking down into the ski area, which is an area I really enjoy to go skiing. It's just a great, absolutely gorgeous place to be and a really nice way to round out my trip of three peaks. So what was the mileage and elevation gain on that hike up to Mount Bachelor? <laughs> you know, you're putting me on the spot. I 
I actually did not. Well, yeah. I mean, I should know this <laughs> information. Two, I did. Jim. I know. I know. <laughs> so I not. I didn't actually find any like super definitive uh, information on that. I, I gleaned my information from Mount Bachelor's website. Uh, talking talking earlier, Mount Bachelor, the the ski area, and they don't list a definitive what your elevation gain is. Um, if I look here real quick, I can probably find their base area here is like 6,390, 6,390 feet. And the summit is just over 9,000 feet. So it's not an overly super strenuous climb. The mileage is reasonably short. It's safe to say it's several miles. I think I did this one pretty quickly. Mount Bailey was probably the quickest. This one, probably the second quickest. I don't usually like time myself on stuff like that. It's not really what I'm out there for. I'm out to enjoy the area. I'm less concerned about the specific speed that I'm moving. And yeah, I don't have a good answer, Jamie. I'm just going to skirt around, skirt around the issue. Uh, several miles. Well, that's fine. And, and yeah, that's the jam. But I guess if it comes to like tangible recommendations, uh, I would recommend each of these three peaks. But for maybe similar hikers, I guess, it, it, you don't really need to be, uh, you know, equipped with any technical skills. You don't have to be um, in any, you know, absolutely remarkable shape to do these peaks. Uh, you do have to know, though, what you're in for. And that is a long, fairly strenuous hike up a mountain. And if that sounds difficult, it's because to some extent, you know, it is. But to those who are willing to put in the work and can put in the work, the rewards are very high, I would say, at each of these three mountains. So what is like the the right climbing season for those who want to go up these mountains? I would say for folks who are looking for a hiking experience, you're trying to just do these peaks when there's not snow over the route, right? And summertime, from now until the snow kind of starts to fall in the mountains, really good time to go get after it. Uh, September, great time to check out these peaks. Uh, they should be snow-free on the route. Watch, I'll eat my words and we'll get uh, some late summer snowstorm <laughs> uh, up in the Cascades, which, of course, wouldn't bother me too much. But... Yeah, now is a great time to go check them out. Each of these three mountains, you're going to want to come prepared, as we've talked about uh, on the show previously, with a standard good hiking kit, some water, some sun protection. This is not a, a, a climb or a hike that you're going to want to do, you know, in your flip-flops with maybe a, a cliff bar in your pocket. A, a, a solid effort for each of them, but nothing that an ambitious hiker can't can't tackle on any given nice, sunny, non-perilous weather day up in the mountains. And Jim, I know that a lot of people right now are concerned about, okay, where can I find a campsite? Because yeah. so many campgrounds right now are so full. So what was your experience finding campsites for these three? I mean, did you book things far in advance? Were you able to get stuff at the last minute? How did you work that all out? Yeah. So I am a bad example on this, Jamie. We, we, I, I, should, uh -oh. I should not... <laughs> I should not be uh, dispensing advice on camping because here's my deal, uh, especially when I'm by myself, I am not trying to pay for a campsite and I am not 
also trying to deal with the hassle of booking one. I am much more likely to find a quiet place, some pullout somewhere, and sleep in my car. Uh, I built kind of a sleeping platform back there. I drive an SUV. I find that to be a comfortable and accommodating way to do these trips that gives me a little bit of flexibility. Um, But I don't have the facilities to go along with it. And I, I wouldn't say, yeah, everyone just go find a spot and sleep in your car and I wouldn't necessarily recommend my way of doing things to the masses. But uh, for me, it works well. I keep what I need mostly in my car. I don't even go pitch a tent. So I'm really quite self-contained. And, you know, whether that's the right thing to do or not all of the time, that is, in fact, how I handle things. Well, for folks who are looking to maybe do some of these climbs and want to find campsites, I would yeah. recommend checking out the U.S. Forest Service. Um, a lot of these lakes, um, there's a lot of uh, sort of uh, lakes and reservoirs that are around these mountains, and that's a great place to start looking for campsites. They're usually extremely busy in that July, August timeframe. But once you start getting into September, some of them do start to empty out. Although I will say some of these higher elevation campgrounds will begin to close um, just around that first day of fall after your Labor Day weekend timeframe. So if you're going to be planning a trip like this, do your planning in advance and check out uh, some of these campgrounds if that's the way you want to go about it. Yeah, figure out where you're going to go roughly and book a spot. Try to find one that you can reserve. Or if you're going to go the first come first served route, try to get there at a time of day where you feel that you can reliably snag a site. Yeah, Jim, I know you, you mentioned this a little while ago about the COVID considerations while going out there. Um, when it comes to, you know, bringing your own stuff, not going out to many places. Do you have any other advice for people who are trying to plan a safe vacation right now amid the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I keep a pretty low footprint a lot of the time when I travel generally. You know, my stops might be fairly limited to gas, food, and of course, Dairy Queen, uh, which falls under the food category, I guess. But uh, <laughs> always dairy. Queen, I mean, I huh? feel like it's an essential really uh, for any big yeah. trip. If we're being honest, uh, sponsor us, Dairy <laughs> Queen. We we are. I am an ardent supporter of yours and my friends are, too. Uh, anyhow, you know, I'm not stopping a lot. Oftentimes, anyhow, I'm trying to naturally with the things I'm interested in doing. I'm trying to go get outside and get far away from the masses in a lot of cases. And that gives me a little bit of, I don't know, it's a little bit of a salve knowing that the travel I am doing is not necessarily to go sit at a very crowded restaurant or to go to a busy outdoor plaza or beach or campground or something like that. I'm trying to get away from the masses. And I I would encourage other folks to, you know, You don't necessarily need to stop going on trips altogether, but just plan a trip with COVID in mind. Establish for yourself and your family or your friends or whomever what your comfort is, what you're okay with doing ahead of time. Have that discussion about mask use, about hand sanitizer, about extra things that you're going to bring, and plan a trip that makes you feel comfortable. And I felt very comfortable doing this Three Mountains trip in large part because I was by myself. I wasn't stopping, you know, for in-person food all over the place. I was able to sleep in my car so I didn't have to deal with 
you know, kind of established lodging facilities or anything like that. And I didn't really have to spend any time inside. And being inside spooks me much more than being in the outdoors. So long story short, do your research, bring the necessary things, your mask, your hand sanitizer, bathroom kit, don't necessarily need to be reliant on public facilities, and only stop when you need to, and and just limit that. So if you need Dairy Queen and you need dinner, get dinner at Dairy Queen, maybe, uh, <laughs> if you will. Um, that sounded a lot like an ad. It wasn't really an ad. It wasn't an ad. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> Well, Jim, you've, I think, provided a really good role model for people who want to go out there. And folks, if you want to go head out, you can follow Jim's three mountain three day adventure or plan one of your own. Or you can be like me and listen to Jim's story and kind of picture it in your mind and live vicariously <laughs> through his adventures. Uh, Jim, thanks so much for sharing this with us. I'm, I'm like super stoked to, to hear about this adventure and can't wait to hear you tackle Mount Jefferson finally. That's going to be an epic adventure. I think. Yeah, that is the last one. I'm, I'm not huge into lists. I'm not trying to like tick off all of the things, but I will admit that the one list that I am, uh, you know, bigger established list that I'm working my way through is the Cascades list. And Mount Jefferson is the last one. It's a, a, a pretty big endeavor to uh, to attempt. And of course, something that I'm very excited to do, but I don't have a good plan set up or a, a specific plan set up for it yet. But once I do, hopefully someday I can uh, pull that trip off. And at that point, I think we should loop back around and uh, do a, a, another episode about uh, climbing some more of the Cascades Peaks because I've had a lot of fun doing it and I'm sure others would like to, to learn a little bit about it themselves. Totally. Like, I look forward to hearing more about that and talking more about it with you in future episodes. But for now, Jim, what do you say we wrap things up? I like the sound of that. Well, next time around, we're going to hear about one of Jamie's trips here. So uh, that is something to look forward to. But in the meantime, folks, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. And View all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. And please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support the podcast and our local journalism we do at the Oregonian and Oregon Live, please consider a subscription uh, to Oregon Live, our digital product, which you can find details about, of course, on OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot Noose. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 Seconds of Zen.